From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. And we are just pleased to welcome in Sister Maria Campos from the Office of Vocations here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Sister, always good to see you. You're just down the hall from us, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice of you to come in anyway. We always like to see you in person. Uh, a lot happening in the Office of Vocations as we move on into the Lenten season. Yes, we have um, our big retreat coming up for um, ages 19 through um, 30 and up, um, mm-hmm. age 35. And it's really um, a weekend for discernment. And it's for young adults, for uh, young adults men yes. and women. Men and women, mm-hmm. yes. And it'll be held here at the Pastoral Center. If you don't know the address, it's 2110 Broadway, and the zip is 95818. So um, please feel free to go on the website and register. It, it talk a little bit, it, and it's two days. It's uh, on Friday the 23rd. From, Correct. It starts at 4 p.m., and then Saturday uh, the 24th, 9 yes. a.m. to 5 p.m. And so uh, the first day um, we'll have... Um, Vespers together, we'll have some vocation stories, we'll have dinner together, some breakout sessions for questions and answers, um, and sharing uh, of your questions. Um, We'll have an adoration and Compline, and then uh, we will leave about 9.30. And the next morning we start bright and early again, around 9 o'clock. We'll have um, registration uh, coming in, uh, just to make sure who came back. And Mass begins at around 9.10, 9.15. A little break, and then we'll have the intro for the day. We'll have many um, religious orders. We'll have the Dominicans. We'll have um, the um, Carmelites for the men. We'll be here uh, to speak a little bit on priesthood and religious life, um, on discernment, and we'll have uh, many of the sisters coming as well, um, Sisters of the Light, um, the Charity Sisters, um, the um, Kenosian Sisters, uh, myself, a sister of mercy, and um, many others to answer your questions about religious life. Wow, maybe you need Golden One, not the pastoral center. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also have some lay people um, that are married, married uh-huh. couples, to come and speak on marriage. So, for those who are interested in marriage vocation, um, mm-hmm. you get to hear that side of life too. Yeah, there are church recognized. When we say vocation, we mean the whole range. Yes, the whole range. Although although the office of vocations, you are working on, on religious for the most part. Yes. But you very definitely encourage the, the marriage state as well. We do. And we also have the single life. We have a person right. actually coming in to speak about holy single life mm-hmm. and what it's like for her. Which is probably something that people don't know a lot about. That's correct, yes. Um, but there are many men and women who choose to live the single celibate life um, in service to God. Wow. Well, so um, what's the what's the hardest part about the uh, uh, your job in vocations? The hardest part, um, just spreading the word to come. <laughs> For me, it's a joy to put these on. Um, I really enjoy meeting all the youth that are um, discerning uh, and introducing them to what are the possibilities. Um, but to to get the word out and to um, make the youth aware that um, these are possibilities in your life, that you don't have to be looking at just certain uh, elements, that there are many other options um, to, to give your service to. What's a typical age? Is there a typical age for, for a religious vocation now? Um, usually, if they're going to, to want to be a priest or a sister within the range of 20 to 30, um, not right out of high school usually, but we have had a couple. Um, and not probably older than 35, because by then you more or less have really determined what you're going to do. There would be a great exception to anyone who would be older than 35. I'm a, I just missed the cutoff. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I, 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 I had a friend whose father had been married and mm-hmm. had four children and Etc. And his wife died. I th- I believe he was sixty seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. and went on to become a Catholic priest. 
Yes, there are exceptions to the rule, um, and there has to be good facts to show that that is really what God is calling you to, that it is not a place to really retreat and right. retire, right. but that you're really going in to serve the Lord. And that happens to religious women, too. Uh, once they lose their spouse and have raised their children, and they can prove that um, this is a real call, uh, and discerning with um, a, a priest or a religious sister or someone who does discernment, um, that there are possibilities for that, but it's not every single person. Right, right, yeah. for sure. It's a very special call. Yeah. So I think it would it would probably be helpful to our listeners maybe to hear your vocation story. Uh, just, <laughs> you know, uh, how you picked the Sisters of Mercy, how you came about it, how you decided to uh, this. Um, you're a native of Sacramento? I am a native of Sacramento. And I guess the first time I um, actually remember telling my mother that I would love to be a sister was when mm-hmm. I saw a Sister of Mercy. I didn't know back then it was a Sister of Mercy, but they s- served at the school Our Lady of Fatima in North Sacramento. And um, there used to be this community hospital there. We had taken, um, I think it was my grandmother, to, to the doctor. And there was a sister walking up and down the sidewalk saying her rosary. And I said to my mother, Mom, I would love to be a sister like mm-hmm. that sister. And she said, no. She <laughs> said, you will, they will send you away, and we will never see you mm. again. And I thought, you know, she was trying to scare me, and I never mentioned it again to her because I thought, well, she won't let me do what, what, yeah. I, what I want to do. So, um, But it kind of always stayed in my heart because, in a way, my mother was responsible for my vocation and my grandmother because they, you know, would say the rosary at home. We had a statuary. That we, you know, sure. I come from a Hispanic family, so we had every saint possible in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I learned to have um, this relationship with all the saints and with the infant Jesus who was always in the center. And, um, and so th- this fervor was always there, even though later in life as I was growing up, um, I mean, I was a typical teenager, you know, forgot about maybe um, entering religious life and was into sports, was into the marching band, played many mm-hmm. instruments, wanted to be a musician. Um, what, what, what instrument did you play? A flute and clarinet. Wow. Yeah. And, and what sports did you play? Um, soccer. Oh, soccer. Yeah. yeah, wow. What what high school did you go to? I went to Grant High. Oh, Grant. Didn't the, go to Catholic school. The Pacers. <laughs> the Pacers. Well, one of the, the really legendary Sacramento high yes. schools. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A lot a lot of everybody I've ever talked to from Grant, they say it was such pride. Yes. Yeah. It was a great school. Yeah. Even though it has a bad reputation, but it, it really wasn't that well, way. Well, they've had some there. difficulties recently, yeah. and and yeah. it's it's yeah. it's troubling. But you know, the, I guess it, all schools have really. Well, all schools have, yes. yeah. Yes. But anyway, um, so in high school, I started dating a gentleman who was um, about ten years older than I was, and my parents gave me permission to date him. Um, however, he was Jewish and I was Catholic, so that kind of posed a problem. Although we we both loved each other very much. And we dated for about five years, but in the end, uh, the Lord went out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason is my mother always had uh, Marinol magazines on the our table, oh, yeah. yep. coffee table. And I always used to love to go through that and see the oh, so interesting people huh? and yeah. all the different countries, you know, and that was so exciting to me. And then finally, when I divulged this to my mother and I went to Father Dan Madigan, um, and he was really responsible for the Sisters of Mercy because he said to me, well, I know these these fine women up the hill, he says, and I'll take you there. And so he sent Sister Eucharist with Marie with me, who was a, um, let's see, she I forget the order they were. They're no longer here in the diocese. But anyway, she took me up, and um, we met the Sisters of Mercy, they, and I fell in love with their spirit and their joy, and I knew that that's where my life was going were to be. Were they up in Auburn at they the time? They were up in Auburn, yeah. yes. And um, so I... Um, then right then and there said yes this is the place and it was be- because of their particular charism or i think i just fell in love with the the their being yes mm-hmm. their charism and how they were you know yeah. and and when we were on the way up it was just like my heart knew that that was where i was going to end up so i began the paperwork and um, all the different uh, elements of becoming a sister taking the psychological etc <sighs> And I guess they found out I did have a brain. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> the brain x-ray was negative. <laughs> anyway, um, I ended up entering there um, probably about a year and a half later. Yeah. And so what, from that time, from the time you're accepted and you've made the, the choice, 
where do you go and what, what kind of uh, training do you have? What kind of schooling do you have? Once I entered? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we had um, – things have changed, of course, because that was many years ago. But um, from, during my time, we had what we called the novitiate. And you're a postulant. Nowadays, they call it candidate. Um, and you're, you're given the rule of mercy, and you learn what the religious life is about. And for each step, you have to make a request – and so um, after a year or two, you can take up to two years for that. I, I after a year, decided to ask for a petition to become a novice. So I became a novice. We wore the white veil. It's mm. a, a religious ceremony. Um, and then the white veil is for two years. So you have um, your regular formation year uh, uh, to continue studying the constitutions, and then you have your canonical year where you learn about prayer and religious And was life. that all here? or was Here it? In, in Auburn. Okay, <laughs> yes. okay. And then, um, and you after, were in, in residence in Auburn as in well. Residence okay. There, yes. And then um, after that, um, I um, be, took my first vows. Uh, and again, you have to petition to take your first vows, and that was for three years. I renewed them after that for one year, which you can take. You can keep temporary vows up to twelve years, and that's mm-hmm. true up until today, to make your decision. So, a total of. 14 years of discernment if you need wow. it. Wow, yeah. wow. <laughs> but I did it in, in, let's see, four, five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And I had I took my final vows after my um, renewal of, of one year and uh, made my final vows. And then from there, what, where, do you, where do you go? What do you do? What, what is uh, your day-to-day? Af- after making my final vows, um, I was assigned to a high school because that was my training background. I was... Um, a high school teacher, so I went to um, um, the first school was Mercy High in Carmichael. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's no longer there, um, and so that, those were my first three years of teaching high school. From there, I was brought over to here uh, next to the pastoral center, which was Bishop Minogue High School. Bishop, Bishop Minogue, and yeah. I taught there for about um, almost ten years, and then um, Bishop Minogue closed, so I went over to Christian Brothers. They hired me there and taught at Christian Brothers for another ten years. And then I began to do vocation work. They asked mm-hmm. me to do vocation work for the Sisters of Mercy. So I did that for about 15 years. And um, in the meantime, in between there, I also had other experiences of living in Peru, working in Peru, and during the summers doing missionary work. So we're never you know, idle right. or, or without something to do. We're always, be, we're always of service. What did you do in Peru? In Peru, I um, was up in the Altiplano. And we actually um, worked in different areas. I studied Aymara, and I was also helping in a little orphanage there mm-hmm. while I lived there. Yeah. It's supposed to be a beautiful country. It's gorgeous, and the Altiplano is just spectacular. Yeah. Uh, what's the alta- altitude at well, the Altiplano? <laughs> yeah, it was where I was staying is 12,800 12, feet. Wow. So t- you were living at 12,800 <laughs> feet. Yes. Were you gasping for air? Um, it took a little while to get used to, but that wasn't bad for me. My friend who came with me, Sister Rose, she had trouble the first week of what they call soroche, so she had to stay flat until she got used to the oxygen in her body. Yeah, I know Olympic athletes, they like to train at high altitude because (laughs) it's such, you know, your lung capacity becomes... And you have to actually come down about every six months, you know, so that I don't know what happens to your lungs, but you have to kind of release Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's what they told us. So when I came back after a year from the Altiplano, I felt like walking was running here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was a neat experience. Wow. I remember uh, back when I played tournament tennis, I played a, a tournament up at what we used to call Squaw Valley. I think they call it Palis- Palisades now. Mm-hmm. And it was about, I think, 7,000 in, in that range. And the balls were just... They go. I'd hit the ball and go out. You know, we go out every time. I go. I will never get used to this. It was just and and my, you know, the the O two. You know, just like, oh man, I'm getting gassed real fast here. You know, it was. Yeah, it was. uh, It's a different experience. A different experience, and especially living. Were there actually towns and cities at that altitude? Yes, several towns and cities. uh, Very rural. uh, Walking or riding the bus. Do, do, do they? What do the people do at that altitude? Do they um, can can you grow crops? Many of them have um, potato crops, mm-hmm. um, different types of vegetables. Yeah, they do. They raise llamas, um, llamas, I guess you call them. Yeah. And um, 
Let's see, what else I can recall? There's a lot of little shops, a lot of little stores in different towns. It seems like it would be really cold all the time. Uh, it wasn't too bad. The winter was very cold. I yeah. mean, it would become iced, you know. Yeah. But um, I don't remember it really being freezing to me. At night yeah. would be the worst. When yeah, the sun, sure. It's always sunny. So yeah. yeah. Wow, that's very fascinating. Yeah. I bet it was hard to leave. It was. <laughs> in some ways, it really was. Yeah. yeah. So... Being a Sister of Mercy, obviously, in this diocese, oh my gosh, the history of the Sisters of Mercy coming here, coming up the river from San Francisco and yes. <laughs> on a Friday and starting a school by Monday, you know, and then the, their work in the hospitals and uh, the, it's just, a, it's, they're, they're, I mean, they have, they have uh, statues to the Mercy Sisters at the Capitol. Yes, <laughs> because that was our original foundation where we were going to build our mother house, but then the government saw it and wanted to buy it, and so we they had eminent domain over oh, yeah, us. And, uh, yeah. and so they paid us exactly what we paid for it, which was very little compared in today's finance oh, oh, world. Brother. It was like six thousand dollars or something. <laughs> that piece of land today would. <laughs> <laughs> it's written there on a on a cornerstone or something yeah. how much that we paid for it, and that's exactly what we got back for it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's worth millions today. Oh, I'm sure. easy. Yeah, <laughs> well, but. Well, Still, what a yeah, what a beautiful piece of ground that yes, is. Yes, yeah, yes. wow. So, how is how has your vocation changed from what you imagined over the years? Is is it what you imagined? Is it different? It's pretty much um, well. It's different in the way um, the lifestyle that I that I was raised in the convent is is very different today because we're institute wide now mm -hmm. and. Um, of course, my first, um, let's see, from about 72 until 90, we wore the habit. Mm -hmm. And then we decided to go back into lay clothes because of our foundress. And she never really wanted to be a, a convent. She wanted to be um, a lay woman who helped women in, uh -huh. in Ireland at the mm -hmm. time right. because it was during the famine. And her idea was to help them empower each other, the women. And so... Um, if you knew reading, you would teach somebody else how to read. If you knew sewing, you would teach somebody else. But the um, bishop at that time said women could not live with women unless they were a convent. Mm -hmm. And so um, Catherine was very, um, a very powerful woman in the sense that she did, she did not let that stop her. She went to the Presentation Sisters. She spent, I think it was four years, um, was professed there received her ring, and that's, we, ha we have a lot of uh, symbols that are very like mm -hmm. the presentations, mm -hmm. and um, so, um, and then she began her own order uh, with a house that someone um, gave her the money for, you know, was um, about a million dollars in those days was a lot of money, um, and so she bought this uh, house and began the Order of Mercy. Yeah. In, in Ireland? In Dublin. Uh -huh. In Dublin, wow. And the house is still there. We have retreats there now. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So, when did the Mercy Sisters first come to the United States? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not very good at dates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like I can't remember exactly, to be honest with you. But Sacramento was 1857, something, something like, like that? that. Yeah. 40, 41, maybe. 42. Yes. Uh, who was it? Did a wonderful book on... Uh, Sister Catherine. S Sister Catherine Doyle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, I mean, even if you're not Catholic, just reading the history there, yeah. just fascinating. And, and, and where they initially lived and, yeah. and their... their the various battles they had to fight along the way. Uh, when so they arrived here, it was the year of the flood in San Francisco. So mm -hmm. that was the first year they got here. Yeah. yeah, what a time to get here. 1800s, yeah. Yeah, people going around in boats and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it one of the reasons they didn't they get a place on a hill that was above yes. the water? Yes. There, there are very few hills in the city, but there are yes. a couple out. I, I, I've been on them, and I go, well, this is actually a hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's they're still on a hill. Yeah, <laughs> game. yeah, indeed. So Volcari um, will be uh, February twenty third and twenty fourth, beginning yes. at four p.m. That's on the Friday, uh -huh. and then Saturday, and that'll include a dinner and everything. And then Saturday, uh, nine a.m. to five p.m., which includes Holy Mass, all yes. here at the Pastoral Center, twenty one ten Broadway. Yes. Uh, how do people sign up for this? You can go online www.scd.org. And slash vocare. Or and you can uh, email Maricela Smith. It's msmith at scd.org. So either way, you can register that way. And vocare is spelled V O C 
A R E. Very good. And there are a couple other things. Yes. Coming up. Yes. A little bit later. Yes. This um, we have an April twenty uh, sixth. We have the girls retreat from thirteen to seventeen, and uh, again it's uh, geared to to young adult, little smaller adults, um, uh, and it's about religious life and consecrated life and married life. So again, all three gamuts. And um, there'll be games, there'll be time for prayers, and a lot of uh, fun events. So if you know anyone that has gone, let them tell you about it, because they have really enjoyed it in the last yep. few years. And places uh, fill up fast. We've had anywhere from 45 to 60 girls. 60 is the max that we can take. So sign up soon. <laughs> and, then and, we, and that is uh, residential that up is, in Trinity Pines? Yes. And, um, so that'll begin on April 26th through April 28th, and it is the overnights there. So, so two overnights on a yes, Friday and a, and a and Saturday, Saturday. Uh-huh. and if you haven't been to uh, Trinity Pines, it's beautiful. One of my one of my daughters is uh, involved with Newman at UC Davis, and uh-huh. and they just had a retreat up at Trinity yes. Pines with Sac State and Chico, yes. uh, and and she said, "What boy? What a beautiful beautiful yes. spot that is." Yes. And for the boys, we also have the same boys, thirteen to seventeen, right. And that'll be August, so it's a, ba- a ways, a uh, few more months before we reach there. But the sooner you sign up, the better. And that's called Quo Vadis. Quo Vadis for yeah. boys. Where Where um, are you going? Where are you going? And uh, that's also at Trinity Pines, and that'll be um, uh, August. So please make sure you um, go online again. Um, yeah. And once again, that's um, www.scd.org. And um, you can uh, find the um, sign up there. Um, and register for yourself. Very good. And the uh, Office of Vocations is off also in June. We'll be having the annual priest and seminary and basketball games, yes. uh, basketball game at Christian Brothers, plus the vocations, the annual vocations dinner yes. in, is, oh, is, many, in, many. is in June. That's going to be up in Auburn, I believe. Yes, it'll be yeah. up in Auburn at St. Teresa's. St. Teresa's, yeah. So a lot of Auburn in, in, today's, <laughs> in today's discussion. So again, um, uh, go to uh, scd.org, the Sacramento Catholic Diocese, scd.org, backslash Deus Focat, or backslash Focare, or uh, backslash Quo Vadis. I think I got those all right. <laughs> Sister, always a joy to see you. Well, thank Anything you I much. didn't ask you that you wanted to say to our listeners? No, please come. That's all we ask you to do. Join us. I think you won't, won't regret coming. I think you'll have a wonderful time this that weekend. It's just a week away. February 23rd and 24th. And that's right here at the Pastoral Center in downtown Sacramento, 2110 Broadway. Great. Thank you, sister. Thanks so much. God bless. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue, Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank 
uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Hi, I'm John McGinnis, retired sheriff of Sacramento County, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Welcome back, everyone. Appreciate you all being with us on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Uh, indeed, it is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Veronica Zeller, who is the coordinator of the Office for, uh, for Family and Faith Formation. Veronica, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Welcome to the Bishop's Hour. I think this is your first time on the program. You're a, a bit of a newbie here at the uh, diocese. I am. I am uh, one of the newbies here at the, at the diocese. I'm blessed to be here and uh, to work for all of you. Well, we're very, very glad to have you. Talk about a little bit about your role as the coordinator of uh, Office of Faith and uh, Family and Faith Formation. Well, my role, my responsibilities here at the diocese are going to be to work with uh, three specific deaneries and their DREs and CREs. And my deaneries are Yolo, Solano, and City. Mm -hmm. And I just adopted uh, a new deanery that is called called something. Mm -hmm. uh, another part of my role at the diocese is going to be the formation of adults, mm -hmm. um, but mostly in the Hispanic, in mm -hmm. the Hispanic community. So those are my two main responsibilities here at the diocese. Very good. Very good. I presume you're bilingual. Yes, you presume right. Yes. <laughs> I was born in Mexico. You were born in Mexico. I was born in Mexico, and I lived there until I was 18 years mm -hmm. old. And then I Did you learn English while you were in Mexico? No. Not at all. I learned the basics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hello, uh, sure. my name is. I remember coming to the States and hearing somebody say hi for the first time. I said, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, but uh, little by little you learn. Yeah. And what brought you to, what brought you to the United States? Uh, my family moved. Mm -hmm. My family moved. My parents decided to come, and uh, we came. The whole family. We came. Did you parents. come to California? We came to California. We came to Sacramento. Wow. We never left. Where were you in in Mexico? Uh, we were living at that time in Leon, Guanajuato, okay. which is in the center of right. the Republic. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you miss Mexico? Do you get back there? I do. I do miss Mex miss Mexico, but. You realize that you're no longer fully Mexican when you go back. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's funny because you are not fully American either. Mm -hmm. So you're like from nowhere. Yeah. You're in yeah, between. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you moved to Sacramento. I did. I moved to Sacramento when I was 17, almost 18. Wow. Yes. And then did you go off to college somewhere? I did. Uh, well, when I first came, I repeated the last year of high school, mm -hmm. hoping that I was going to learn English. I didn't. Well, we didn't have immersion programs then Not either. Not as no. much as, yeah. as now. Yeah. And then I went to junior college for English as a second language for mm -hmm. about three years. And, and I then did. where is that? I went to American River College, mm -hmm. and then I went to Sac City College. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually transferred to UC Davis. Wow. And You're I, an uh, Aggie. I am an Aggie. I'm I am an Aggie. An, oh, yay. <laughs> and I have my degree in stats and mathematics. From yeah. UC Davis. From UC Davis. Oh, you must have a very, you must, uh, stats and mathematics, uh, you know, not it's my easy. friends. No, it's easy because it's, easy. it's logical. The hard ones are English and philosophy, and those are hard. I, I, I have a daughter in, well, I have three daughters in college right now. We have four kids in college, but one of them is taking stats, and she's like, oh, this is driving me crazy. Oh, send her my way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That would be good. <laughs> that would be good. And so is that something that just naturally appealed to you, numbers and, and mm -mm. not at all? Well, I guess there was some easiness, but also I was afraid of the language. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of English. So I think that's why I said, let's just go for math. But now in retrospect, I think I would have done so much better if I would have not been afraid in yeah. something else. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you went out into the corporate world? I went into the corporate world, and I went into the gambling industry. Mm -hmm. Most of my life, I work uh, with casinos, the small car rooms mm -hmm. here in California. In California. Here in, Cali here in Sacramento. 
Yeah. Sacramento and Cameron Park. I did work in Cameron Park for a little bit. And then uh, God sent a big, a big hard rogue to finally knock me and said, hey, come over. Come back. I miss you. And I finally listened. I think he kept sending stones, but so you were you were raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic, um, but, but then fell away. When I first came to the United States, my faith was still there, but then when I went to college, I started hanging around and making this very beautiful group of friends, who were from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so that we had Buddhists, we had Muslims, we had Jewish, we had all these different people. They were nice people. They were beautiful people. I said, you know what? Religion is not important. It's the people. So that, in my mind, justified getting away from religion. Mm -hmm. And then it's also a brand new world. It's easy to go away. Um, And I went away for many, many years. Even my husband right now is not Catholic. We've been Mm -hmm. married. He's a wonderful, beautiful man. We've been married for 25 years, going into 26. We married in the church by the grace of God. Because even though I was not practicing Catholic at that time, I I did not want to have a pain for my parents. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to create a pain for them. Right. So... I told him, I'll marry you, but we'll marry in the Catholic Church, even though I didn't know what being in the Catholic Church meant at that time. Right. And he said, yes, for you anything. So we did marry in the church. Thank God. That was a blessing. Um, but then I did really did not start coming back until probably 10 years into our marriage. What brought you back? That's a beautiful story. Um, what brought me back was I was pregnant with my third child. And um, I had a dream, beautiful dream. Um, on this dream, there was nothing but a beautiful light, brightest white light you can think of. And uh, out of this light, a voice came, just a voice, and said, um, your baby's dead. It's okay. He's in heaven. You need to be strong because your ki- the kids need you. The children need you. And uh, so I woke up and I told my husband, I said, I had this dream. I was already close to 35 years old at the time. So I was an older mom already then. And uh, he says, are you bleeding and in pain? I said, no, everything is good. How far along were you? I was at the end of my first trimester. So he said, don't worry about it. It's just a dream. dream. Uh, We forgot about it. Uh, Two weeks later, I had a doctor's appointment. Uh, The doctor told me first, he came back and he told me, your baby, I'm sorry, your baby's dead. And I remember asking him, can you tell me when? It happened. And his terms was so technical. He said, by the decomposition of the baby and the measurements when he stopped growing, it was two weeks ago. Wow. So that brought something to me. It's like, I mean, what if there really is a God? What if this God is trying to communicate with me? What if I'm not listening? What? So from there started a journey. Uh, my first... Um, a little bit after that, I don't know how much later, but I started seeing Catholic radio mm-hmm. all over. Mm-hmm. Catholic radio stickers. I'm like, oh, another one, another one. Another one. So yeah. fine. They're let, everywhere. Let, let, let's see what this is all about. So I started putting Catholic radio on the car. I used to argue with Catholic radio. Uh-huh. You know, the good thing is that Catholic radio doesn't answer back. Mm-hmm. But I used to say like, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. And uh, so eventually, you know, Catholic Radio was my first teacher, my first evangelizer. Then I started going into the church and uh, trying to grab little classes of Bibles and, and, you know, Bible studies and here and there. And then uh, a beautiful diary, uh, Valerie Ramos, that was a diary at my church. She invited me to be a catechist. And I said, a catechist? I don't know anything. She said, yeah, that's why. You need to come and learn. <laughs> <laughs> so I started being a catechist. I was a catechist for a few years. Yeah, which parish? 
at St. John Vianney okay. in Rancho Cordova. In Rancho Cordova, yeah. And then Father Chuck was desperate one day, and he said, "I don't need, I don't have a CRE. I don't need, I need somebody to run the program." And he just grabbed me and wow. said, "Would you like to run the program?" And so I started there with the CRE for a few years. I did thirst for knowledge started growing, so I started with my masters in uh, theology. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that that's through the program at Berkeley? No, I went through Augustine Institute. Oh, okay. Through Augustine Very Institute. Good. And then uh, I'm still going through mm-hmm. Augustine Institute. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't finished. And then after that, a few when the pandemic came, they gave me both English and Spanish, started growing. And then just now uh, the diocese came knocking and I answered. Wow. So here I am. Well, the Lord, the Lord called you in a special way. You know, when I said that dream that I shared that that the boys in the dream said, you need to be strong because your children need you. Back then, I remember only thinking of my two kids. At that time, I had two. Now I have one more. So we have three. We're blessed with three beautiful ones. But at that time, I said, my kids need me. Then when I became a DRE, I said, oh, no, no. This is what he meant by the kids need you. Yeah. And now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, no, no, this is what he meant by this the kids a, need yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a beautiful calling that he did on that dream. Wow. And here we are living it. Isn't that wonderful? That's a great story. That's Thank a, you. A one, it's a very, very faith-filled, touching story. Yeah. You're blessed. You're blessed. I am. I so am. the reason, specific reason we asked you to be on the show, but I'm glad we, we got off on another topic for a minute. Is the Publisher Showcase coming up? Yes. And this showcase is mostly for DREs. Actually, it's only for mm-hmm. DREs, mm-hmm. CREs, and school principals. Right, right. And when I came to the diocese, I I brought it up to Deacon Kevin. I said, we need to have something like this at this particular time. It's so important. Because when you're a DRE or a principal, you begin to realize that maybe your community needs something different. Maybe you haven't looked at to what programs or what publishers are offering out there, what has changed in the last mm-hmm. few years. And this is the time to do it right now and this month because once once you're going to May, you already have your materials ordered. Right. So this is the time to do it. And we Deacon gave me permission to invite a few publishers. Mm-hmm. and make it easier for the DREs and the, and the principals because we are busy. Right. Uh, so we don't have the time. So this is the time for me to grab so many publishers, invite them over in-house, and then we're going to be able to see the material, to touch it, to ask questions, and to see if it is something that our communities, our particular communities, because every parish is different. Right. We have a different people that we're serving. So we need to really look into, maybe we have the right material. Maybe we don't. But we need to be open to, to exploring uh, new materials. Right. Uh, we should explain for some listeners that maybe just tuning, a DRE is a Director of Religious Education in, in a parish. Yes. Yeah. So every parish is going to have the person that runs the religious education program. And that's the person that we call a DRE, which is Director of Religious Education, or CRE, which is Coordinator of mm-hmm. Religious Education, which is pretty much the same job. Right. Um, one of them has a little bit less responsibilities than the other. And then the principals are the ones that make these decisions in the school. In the schools, yeah. Yes. So what kind of, what kind of publishers are we talking about? We actually have... Some publishers that have been established for many, many years, uh, like we have Loyola Press, mm-hmm. we have Flum, we had Sadler, we have CRL Vessinger. But then we also have these new programs that are not well known, that maybe just started, like Augustine Institute mm-hmm. came up with some formation programs for the kids. And also Family Formation, this is a, a very directed towards families mm-hmm. instead of just the kids. Right. And that is one big push that the diocese is trying to to awaken us into the need of forming the parents. 
And if you look at me as an example, I was, when I became a parent, I was not well formed. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't form the kids. I just thought, you know, let's just bring them to religious education. Sure, sure. And if I had been, quote, unquote, forced to force, to form me, to form the kids, I would have probably done this journey a lot earlier, right? So it's a beauty, beautiful gift that we can give to our families to do family formation and to start looking into new ways to get them involved. Is, is this something new to have like a publisher showcase and invite publishers? At this time of the year, yes. Mm-hmm. We usually invite the publisher showcase, the publishers to be present during ministry days. Ministry days, yeah. Which is in September. Right. The only problem with that is that in September... They've already, already done the stuff. Yeah. You already have the material for the year, and it's too early in the year to decide if you need to change right. it. Right. So I think this is the perfect time to bring something like this so people can really start questioning and, and discerning if it is time to explore other programs. Yeah. There, there are a lot of Catholic publishers out there, aren't there? Is there a filter that they go through where where you go, can I rely on these people? Or are they, you know, are they... There's a lot of uh, publishers. There's also some that have to be approved by the USCCB. Right. So when we look at the list of who to invite, uh, we wanted to make sure that they were approved uh, yeah. by the USCCB. And that's, then that's the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops out of Washington, D.C. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, sometimes I do forget that uh, we, not all of us know all the acronyms. Um, but yes, um, I'm sorry, I got lost. No, you were talking about th- that they appro- mm-hmm. you go to them to see if, if they say, yeah, this is, this is good to go. Oh, yeah. We, we There's nothing contrary to the faith in here, <laughs> and it's very positive for the faith. Yes. Yeah. So we, we do look into for them to be approved, but, but then also it's just an invitation. You know, there were some of them that said, uh, no, we cannot attend, uh, which is understandable. Right. It's not easy. Actually, this is a beautiful gift that we have that all these publishers, because the, some of these publishers are in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Some of them are in Colorado. Right. It's not like they have an office right around the corner and right. they're just coming here. Sure. This is a sure. big trip for them right. and an expense for them to be able to bring materials. So this is truly a gift that we are experiencing here at our diocese to be able to have these publishers come over and give us their time, the gift of their time, so that we can get to learn about their programs. What specifically will <coughs> will they be talking about things for Religious ed or schools or what? What type of materials will they be bringing? They will be bringing material for both, mm-hmm. and pretty much it's actually, it's pretty much the same. Whatever we use in regu- re- religious education is something that can be used in the classroom, mm-hmm. and something that can be used in the classroom can be used in re- religious ed. Maybe the only concept one that a school could say not for me would be the family formation. Mm-hmm. But even there, I think that we should not be close to the idea. Because as a Catholic school, we also need to realize and take seriously that we're not just forming the kids, but we're forming the parents. Yeah. Right? So if we could jump that that threshold of saying family formation is only for religious education, and saying, well, maybe family formation is something that the school should also look into. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be very beneficial for our families. Um, a lot of us parents end up with a formation of a second grader mm-hmm. because that's what we had. We had we somebody prepared us for sacraments, and then that was it. So we need to, to grow on that faith, and uh, the schools have that beauty to jump into it. And that's why we decided to invite the principals. Mm-hmm. At first, this was uh, an event only for directors of religious education or coordinators. But there came the decision that the principals would benefit too sure. from exploring all the different programs. So Will this include materials for uh, things like RCIA as well? Yes, there should be some material included for RCIA. But the main focus 
um, all the publishers will have some RCIA material. But the main focus on this one is going to be religious education for kids. Very good. Yes. Very good. So uh, it takes place right here at the Pastoral Center, 2110 Broadway, uh, February 29th. Does that mean it's only going to be once every four years? <laughs> that, that may be right. <laughs> I look at I look at February 29th. It just looks wrong. <laughs> well, we decided that we were given an extra day. You might as well yeah, use it well, right? Yeah, use it well. That's uh, And it's 9 a.m. to noon. It's my kids' favorite question when they were growing up because they would always have a friend that had a birthday either on the 29th of February or the 1st of March, and they'd say, so are they only, are they four or are they one? You know, that, that kind of thing. It is. Uh, we ask everybody who would like to participate or be present to please register. Mm-hmm. And there is a link on the website, and plus all the uh, series, series and school principals have received a, a flock note. Very good. And they can contact you, uh, um, VM Zeller, Z E L L E R, at scd.org. Correct. Or, or by email, or the phone is 916 733 Correct. Very good. Anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to uh, mention to our listeners? I would like to mention to if there are parents out there listening. Please get more involved in the formation of your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, know that you are the primary catechist of them. And that one day when we are in heaven and knocking at the door, that will be one of the things that we'll be asked for to to respond. How well did we do on this? So it's something that we need to take seriously as parents. Yeah, that's very well said. You know, it's it's so true that, you know, Jesus says, bring the children to me, you know, and, and it's beyond educating them in the faith in, a, in, a, in sort of a formal way, but also an informal way. It's living the faith. If they don't see mom and dad doing it, you can teach them all you want. <laughs> it's like, uh, it doesn't look like mom and dad are buying this. We can light up the fire in yeah. the little hearts. Yeah. But the house can extinguish it very easily yep. if it is not lived in the And house. there's a lot of distractions in the world right now. Amen. Yeah. Veronica, it's a, a joy to meet you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us and all you do and all you're going to do here. And uh, we look forward to you. Don't be a stranger. We look forward to seeing you many times. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. Thank you. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures Throughout the year, they're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap get you where you want to go you can uh, contact them get all the details at crumley and associates 7956 california avenue in fair oaks they're at 916-638-4600 that's 
638-438-4600. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. This is Lori Power, Associate Superintendent with the Catholic School Department. You are listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Lori, for that wonderful introduction and for all you do for our wonderful Catholic schools. I want to talk, take a minute to talk about the annual Catholic Appeal, the 2024 annual Catholic Appeal. So important here uh, in the Diocese of Sacramento, so many ministries supported by the annual Catholic Appeal and the, the People in the Diocese of Sacramento have always been so generous, but uh, a wonderful brochure, you, a pamphlet, really, that you may have received in the mail, and on, on the back cover, uh, uh, a picture, maybe it's, front, I guess that's the front cover, uh, Deacon Kevin Staskow says, uh, I really think that everyone has something to give. When Jesus was literally dying on the cross, he found the strength to turn to the thief being crucified next to him and minister to that person. So often we have all kinds of excuses not to reach out to those next to us. Indeed, today you will be with me in paradise. And you look through this brochure and you will learn the many, many, many ministries that are supported by the annual Catholic Appeal. And uh, uh, 25% of your donation goes back to the parishes for social ministry at your parish. 50% supports charities, uh, Catholic charities of Sacramento, uh, and the members in that are Catholic Charities of Yellow Solano, Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, which uh, serves uh, Butte, Glen, Shasta, Siskiyou, Tehama, and Trinity counties in this 20-county diocese, and Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services right here in the greater Sacramento area. Also, associate members are Camp Recreation, serving Northern California, the Mother Teresa Maternity Home in Placerville, the Rancho Cordova Food Locker in Greater Sacramento, the Upper Room Dining Hall in Placerville. Many of you who have worked at those places are very familiar with those places or have availed yourself of the wonderful services they provide. 25% uh, supports education, sem seminarian formation, and Catholic school tuition assistance. Uh, partners uh, in uh, uh, the annual Catholic Appeal and Catholic Charities of Sacramento include Anderson Cottonwood Christian Assistance, Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home right here in Sacramento that does such wonderful work, the Catholic Ladies Relief Society up in Chico, Community Assistance Network in Greenville, Portola and Quincy up in the hills, Loaves and Fishes in Sacramento, which just, just does wonderful work with the homeless. Sacramento Life Center, which has uh, saved so many lives here in the Sacramento area. Salvation Army Food Shelf in Susanville. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul and their seven district councils, the North State. Placer Yuba Sutter Butte, Sacramento East, South Sacramento Elk Grove, Sacramento Metro Area, and Yolo Delta and Solano. Also, the Stanford Settlement Neighborhood Center in Sacramento and the Wellsprings Women's Center in Sacramento, plus Yuba City, uh, Yuba Sutter, right to life, the two counties uh, just north of Sacramento. Uh, more than 100 programs provide things like counseling, emergency fund, shelter and clothing, permanent and transitional housing, job training, pregnancy counseling, post and prenatal care, independent living skills, mentoring, parenting skills, after-school care, refugee resettlement, citizen and citizenship and immigration services, and jail ministry. Our gifts help people who are mentally ill, homeless, disaster survivors, immigrants, elderly, developmentally disabled, incarcerated, working families, refugees, at-risk youth, the unborn, pregnant women, the hungry, and single parents. Such a wide, wide range of our, our Catholic mission here on this earth and in this Diocese of Sacramento. One of the programs uh, uh, through uh, Northern Valley Catholic Social Services is 
uh, the court-appointed special advocate program, which is operated out of all the superior courts in the state of California, and it partners with Northern Valley Catholic Social Service uh, to help kids who need advocates in the courts. Uh, they talk about a, in this pamphlet a, a young woman named Isabel uh, who is devoted to ensuring a positive support system for foster kids now and for their future as appointed uh, as a court-appointed special advocate, a program administered with compassion and dedication by Northern Valley Catholic Social Service. Isabel gives kids the voice they need in court to have a positive path in life. She was once in foster care herself. The severe trauma a child goes through is all too familiar. Today, she's reunited with her parents, has a family of her own, and is focused on becoming a lawyer. Northern Valley Catholic Social Services uh, gives her the opportunity to advocate in court for children with stories like hers. Uh, again, the annual Catholic appeal, uh, give generously, give whatever you can, whether it's a small amount, a large amount. Also, more men can say yes to the call to the priesthood. Support from the annual Catholic appeal helps seminarian Eric Patrick, who is pictured in this uh, brochure, to become Father Eric Patrick this past June. We've had him on our program, a de delightful priest. Father Patrick is earnestly hopeful that he can be a conduit for the experience of God's mercy and love. With coughs offset by the appeal, the 12 men now in seminarian formation can focus less on financial worries and more on preparing to serve in our parishes. The annual Catholic appeal, uh, a wonderful, wonderful way to support so many ministries in the Diocese of Sacramento. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great!